Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Today, uh, we're going to be looking at the life of Moses. Moses has kind of peaked up on and off throughout this series, but we don't just want to mention him today. We really want to kind of dive into his world today, an unexpected moment in his life that he did not see coming. But before we get to that, uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans 8. Romans 8. I'm going to pick this candy wrapper up real quick. I wish there was candy in it. That'd be better. Romans 8. Uh, Romans 8 is not specifically the passage that we're going to be diving into this morning, but Romans 8 is going to anchor us in its concept for where we're going this morning. Can you handle it? Can you handle two key scriptures, church? Here we go. Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus... The law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because of its weakness by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who did not live according to the flesh, but by the Spirit. This morning, I want to talk about freedom. And I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to declare to them the title of my message, Cut the Cord. Come on, that was, guys, guys, guys. My gosh, this is not golf, okay? I'm gonna, we're going to do it again. We're going to one more shot, okay? Look at your neighbor, declare to them Look, UT won last night. There was louder, there was louder declaration than cut the cord. Look at your neighbor and declare over them the title of my message, cut the cord. Look, hey, I've always, that was better, that was better. I've I've always been drawn to extreme sports. Is anybody else kind of drawn to extreme sports? I've never been good at them, but I love them. Always wanted to be a skater, was never any good, right? Love surfing, was never like, you know, shredicles of Narnia, like no fins flipping out of the top of the lip or anything like that, right? No no time in the green room. That's part of why I love extreme sports. There's like a language that if you're not in it, you don't get it. You know, like if you don't surf, you don't know what the green room is, right? But if you do surf, you know that the green room is when you're in the barrel, right? And it's all green. You're in the green room right? If, if you didn't surf, you didn't know that if we said you just added a volume to the shredicles of Narnia, you wouldn't know that when we are saying Narnia, we're spelling it with a G-H and not an N. That these, are, these are the things that I love about extreme sports, but I never was any good at them. And growing up, actually, some dudes on my street when I was like in third and fourth grade were like high schoolers and they were into BMX, you know, like the biking stuff, which is gnarly. And they built all these ramps, and they would just go for it. So me and my younger brother would sit on our driveway and just look in awe of these super cool guys that we wanted to be when we grew up, you know? 
And I'll never forget the day where one of them kind of rode over and skidded out in front of us and said, hey, do you guys want to come and ride the ramp? And I'm thinking, I have made it. (laughs) There is a line that will be in my life, life before they invited me to ride with them and life after they invited me to ride with them. So I ran into my garage and I got my Sears special neon blue imitation BMX bike. And I rode down to the ramp and they said, JD, it's pretty simple. All you need to do is ride as hard as you can and just keep looking straight. No matter what you do, just keep looking straight. I'm like, got it, got it, got it. And so I take off as fast as I can. Now they let me start on like the starter ramp. Okay, so it was only like three foot tall, but it had a real sharp pitch to it. And so I'm riding as fast as I can and I shoot off this ramp and I'm thinking to myself, the one thing is I'm gazing over the housetops, okay? I mean, I am in the, I'm flying, I have taken flight. All I can remember in my head is just look straight, just look straight. And so I'm just like looking straight, right? And they were right, when you look straight, your bike stays straight, but they forgot to tell me one thing. Keep your feet on the pedals. And so I went from like 27 feet in the air and slammed perfectly straight, lined up perfectly because I was looking straight. And I crossbarred. And I, I started singing soprano that day. You know what's so funny is that happened when I was like in third, fourth grade. I see a ramp. I can still feel it. <laughs> I, like I look at a ramp and especially like we found this little concrete little kind of park in our neighborhood. And so we went there. I went there with the kids and I am literally trying to fake courage because I look at that ramp and I remember I remember exactly what it felt like when my feet did not stay on the pedals and I do not want to feel that again. You ever been hit with the whiplash of your past? Isn't it funny how memories have weight to them? And and, and memories can sometimes feel like they're pulling backwards on you when you're trying to take new ground. Have you experienced that? Have you tried to really focus on an area of your life to see it get better, to see God get bigger in it, to really change some stuff? And you start making some progress. You start moving the right direction. And then all of a sudden, it's like you hit a brick wall. And all of a sudden, you kind of feel like all of the ground that you had made up, all the hope that you had for this next season You're just kind of, it's like a slingshot ripping you back. And you almost feel like after you're ripped back that you are worse off than when you tried to get better. And isn't it funny how sometimes the familiarity of our history can limit where we want to go in our future. It's the weight of our past. You know, every single school year, I try to focus on one thing I want to get better at as a dad. And this year, my kind of focus at the beginning of the school year was, I want to get better 
in having more patience with my kids. Like, I, I don't want to be as easily frustrated with them. And that's been my, like, whole focus. It's just, like, more patience, more patience. Would you know that I've probably been more frustrated over these past three weeks than I probably ever have been as a father? Isn't it funny how, like, when you're focusing on something, you can almost feel like the gravitational pull of the history of your past, the familiarity of your old responses getting larger. It's the weight of our past. It's the weight of the habits that we formed because of our past experiences. And I want to dive into the life of Moses because he had a moment, a moment that he did not see coming because he had a past. And there's no way that he could have foreseen where God was taking him because he was living in the whiplash of his past. If you have a Bible, I want you to jump very quickly with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jericho, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mount of God. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. And Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it didn't burn up. And so he thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight. And why, the bush did not, why this bush did not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take your sandals off, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then he said, I've indeed, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of the slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good, spacious place, a land flowing with milk and honey. If you've heard that scripture before, say amen. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Do you know you could also translate that, who am I, to I'm a nobody. God says, look, I'm going to send you to be the lead piece in seeing deliverance of a people. And Moses is like, I'm a nobody. Who, who am I? You, you know what he said, who am I? He wasn't making some false, humble statement. When he said, who am I, 
Moses was saying, do you know my past? Do you know my track record? Do you know what I'm carrying around on a daily basis? God, did you know that my mom abandoned me when I was a baby? Yeah, she did it because she loved me. But my whole life I've been wrestling with the fact of if she loved me, why'd she leave me? I ended up getting adopted into a great home, God. Yeah, true. But I grew up in a palace that I didn't belong. And I felt like I didn't belong. And sometimes I was treated like I didn't belong. And it birthed a rage inside of me that was uncontainable. And it led to me killing a man. Did you know I killed somebody? I'm a murderer. I, I was abandoned. I'm a murderer. And then I didn't even have enough courage, God to stand up and take my punishment as a man. No, I ran. Fearfully, I ran away. And I, I ran into the wilderness, into the desert. And I've been living in small town, middle of nowhere, backside of a mountain, minding my own business, being a shepherd, because that's the best job I can get without turning in a resume. Do you know who I am? You, you see, Moses, when he said, I'm a nobody, do you know who I He was feeling the weight of his past. Look, because hear me, your past will affect you. But your past in Jesus should not limit you. Your, your past will affect you, but your past in Jesus should not limit you. Because this is kind of what it feels like. As we walk around and you're like, I was abandoned. Now, all of a sudden, I've got this weight that I'm just dragging no matter where I go. As soon as I start getting far from it, it starts pulling me back. And you can't, you can't get rid of the darkness. You're like, look, I hate it. I know I'm forgiven. There's no condemnation. The instantaneous forgiveness of sin. Jesus said if we call upon his name, we're born again. We're made new. We're washed clean. But don't mistake instant forgiveness with instant restoration of the effect of sin. You are forgiven in an instant. Jesus looks at you and says, there is no condemnation. You are not going to be treated as you should be treated because of the sin that you committed. That is gone. But there's a restoration process. There's a healing that needs to happen. And that's why sometimes we walk around understanding that we're forgiven, but we're dragging weights around and we're wondering why we get pulled back. And we've got these habits of our past and we're like, man, I, I, I cannot not forget that I was abandoned. I can't get rid of the rage that that gave me. And so you go from having one to having two. And now you can't even drag it if you try. You're, you're giving everything you got and you, you just feel like you're stuck. You can't move away from it. You're forgiven, but you're carrying the weight of it around. You know that Jesus has forgiven you, but you're like, but what do I do with this? 
What, what do I do with this weight? This is what Moses is talking about. Moses is like, do you know who I am? I carry this around all the time. Look, I've tried to do better. And look where it gets me. In the middle of nowhere in the desert, watching sheep so I can't mess anything up. And we just get comfortable carrying weight around. And you get reminded every once in a while when you start trying to progress in your life. Oh, yeah. I'm actually not going anywhere. And what ends up happening is we allow the past, our habits, to be formed in a way that we begin to, de- we begin to behave in the safety zone of our chain. And so we get real comfortable right here. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. But you know what? I'm just a frustrated person. Yeah, I don't let people close to me. I've been hurt. I got hurt one time and it was really painful. And and so, you know, I just, I don't let people close to me. I'm just going to stay right here because if I really let somebody in, this thing starts kind of yanking and and it's just a matter of time until I bolt. And if someone says, man, Jesus came and there's no condemnation that you're like, yeah, 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 I know. I know I'm forgiven, but I, I still carry this around. Now, what bags are you carrying around? Moses was carrying around bags of abandonment, the shame of being a murderer, the shame of being a coward. That's what he was carrying around. But what are you carrying around? We're all carrying something. Maybe you made a decision that you cannot believe that you made. Maybe you intentionally hurt somebody, stole from somebody. Maybe you had an abortion. And, and, and you know Jesus has forgiven you. But you just feel this everywhere you go. You're like, man, it's getting hard to move. And I know you want me to move forward, God, but I just, this is about as far as I can go. And it takes everything that you have to just take a little step. And at any minute, if anything just changes, is all of a sudden you're pulled right back to where you started. Like, man, I don't like this right here. I don't, I don't like this right here. This is my, my, my past is limiting where I can go. My, my past is telling me that there's a limit to what I can become. When Moses looks at God and he says, I'm a nobody. Who am I that I would go to Pharaoh on your behalf? He's saying, You must not really know who I am. I love God's response to him because God's response to him was total ignoring everything that Moses had said. (laughs) Have you ever done that to one of your children? If you have kids, they ask you a question and you give them the judo move of answering a question that they didn't ask. Right. This is kind of how it feels when you're reading what happened in this conversation that God's having to Moses because Moses is like, do you even know who I am? And God's like, I'm going to be with you. I'm sure Moses was like, cool, cool, cool. Do you know who I am? And God's response is, I'm going to be with you. 
Then Moses rephrased the question. Well, even if I do go, who am I supposed to tell him you are? God's like, thanks for asking. Because it doesn't matter who you are. It matters who I am. And so he says, I am the I am. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the alpha and the omega. I just get started when you get overwhelmed. When you're weak, I'm strong. When you feel overwhelmed, I'm just getting going. God's like, look, I'm going to be with you. I know who I am. Doesn't matter who you used to be. Moses is like, do you know who I am? God's like, I'm going to be with you. I'm with you. Moses is still in denial. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. I don't care if you're with me. I still got this weight. God tells them to do something so interesting because they go into this like series of what seems to be practice for what Moses is going to do in front of Pharaoh. God looks at Moses and he says, Moses, what's in your hand? And he goes, my staff. You know, every morning when Moses got up and he grabbed that staff, that was not just simply a tool of the trade. That was a physical reminder of how his past had limited what he could become. He had lived in a palace. He was educated in the finest of schools. He was poised and ready to be a leader of leaders, yet he woke up in the morning and grabbed a staff. That, that staff, every time he grabbed that staff, you better believe that just like when we look at something that we feel like is our ceiling and we know there's more in us, but our weight keeps pulling us back to it. And you're like, well, I must be crazy because I'm trying to take some ground, but I just keep coming back here because my past is pulling me back. Every time he picked up that staff in the morning, you better believe he said, man, I can't believe I killed that guy. I cannot believe that I ran for my life. I didn't even have a conversation. I'm such a coward. And as he's on his way to try to start taking care of the sheep, he's just looking at that staff going, man, you see, this is all you're worth, Moses. You're just a shepherd, dude. That's all you are. Your past has proved it. And God says, what's in your hand, Moses? He's like, my staff is in my hand. And God says this, Throw it on the ground. And it turned into a snake. That would be one of the first signs that God would use to demonstrate to Pharaoh that God was with Moses. But in this moment, God was using it to demonstrate to Moses that his past is not going to limit him but his past is actually an opportunity for a demonstration of the limitless power of the God who's with him. So he threw his staff on the ground. Man, that staff must have been heavy because it was the weight of everything that he had done wrapped up into one object that represented the physical limit that his past had put on his life. And God looks at him and says, that's not your limit because I'm with you. The God of limitless power 
is with you. Yes, your past is going to affect you. Do you know Moses actually was raised up for this moment? Nobody else is going to know their way around that palace like him. He used to live there. He lived there for 40 years. He didn't just stay there for a little bit. That was like his crib. I mean, he was like chilling. He was, if you're a parent and your kid's 40 and they're living with you, it's just like maybe they're Moses. Be encouraged. That dude lived there for 40 years. Nobody knew their way around the palace. Nobody knew who they needed to talk to to get to the person that they actually really needed to talk to to be able to get some face time with Pharaoh. Look, you don't just show up at a castle and say, I need to see the king and see him. You ever tried to go to the White House? You can't even get within a hundred million yards of it, man. Like they got people with guns you can't even see. You pick a flower and a dude says, I need that back. You don't just walk up to a palace and say, hey, I want to meet with the, pre- the king. I want to meet with the president. No, you got to know people that are going to get you in the right circles to get a face meeting. When Moses showed back up at the palace, they're like, Mo, where you been, dog? Oh, that's a long story. Hey, I need to talk to Pharaoh. Yeah, dude, come on in, bro. Like, you know the way, just go ahead. He was handcrafted to know his way around the palace. Then he spent 40 years, after the 40 years that he was in the palace, wandering around in the wilderness as a shepherd. Kind of sounds familiar, right? Because he was going to lead the people of God. They end up wandering around the wilderness for how long? 40 years. His past affected who he was created to be. It shaped it. But his interpretation of the weight of it was telling him that his past was limiting him. And God said, no, your past doesn't limit you. Your past is an opportunity for the demonstration of the limitless power of God. So if you're carrying something around this morning, you might need to realize, throw it down. If you've got a weight of your past on your shoulders right now, throw it down if you made a decision that you regret you can't even look me in the face right now as I'm talking to you throw it down throw it down if you took advantage of somebody if you raped somebody if you did unthinkable things throw it down you had an abortion throw it down God forgives you of your sin and he also frees you from the weight of your sin. Don't believe the lie of the devil that your past is going to limit you. Your past does not limit you. Yes, your past affects you, but your past does not limit you because your past gives you an opportunity to experience the God who's going to look at you and say, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly what you've done. I know exactly what you said. I know exactly what you did. And I am with you. Oh, y'all aren't even listening to me right now. He's looking at your dark stuff, the weight that you're carrying around, and he's saying, I see it, but I'm not intimidated by it. He looks at the stuff that you hope no one finds out about, and he's like, do not waste your strength carrying something around that you're unintended to carry. Cast your cares upon me. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Did you hear what I said? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So if you feel like something is 
carrying you and pulling you back and you're trying to be loving and all of a sudden it carries you back. You're trying to be a kind spouse and you just find yourself yelling at people and it's ripping you back. You kind, you're trying to make a difference in your workplace and all of a sudden you're mad at everybody and want to fire everybody and this is like pulling you back. You need to realize, let it go. Drop it. The weight is not for you to carry. That's why we cast our cares upon the Lord. Because He carries them. Throw it down. Throw it down. No matter how dark it is, no matter how heavy it is, no matter how ashamed you are of it, throw it down. And when it hits the ground, I want you to see it be transformed into a demonstration of the limitless power of God because he's with you he is with you right now he's with you and he's going to cut the cord he's cutting the cord don't drag it around anymore don't drag it around anymore don't wake up in the morning and feel the peace and hope of God and have that lie just kind of seep into your brain that little memory now, you can't be joyful you remember what you did you can't be filled with peace you remember what you said you got to carry that around a little bit man you got to feel bad about that that needs to ruin your week that's like a week-long ruiner you know like you blew it so bad you need to be miserable for a month nah throw it down throw it down we live free in this house we live free I don't care how in bound up you feel we live free I don't care how in chains you showed up welcome to the family we live free we're not gonna look at you by your sandbags and your past we're gonna look at you at the through the lens of the God who says I am with them I'm with them and I'm gonna carry them and we're going to believe in you the way that God believes in you. And we're going to look at you and say, look, I can't believe that you had to go through that. I'm sorry that it's been heavy, but look, throw it down. Don't carry around that staff anymore as just a tool of the trade, a picture of the limit that your past has put on you. Throw it on the ground and let it turn into a demonstration of the limitless power of God. And so I'm just wondering, if you're ready to get free, you might just want to stand on your feet. If you're ready to get free, you might want to stand on your feet because you're free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom.